Good morning. It is such a joy and also an affirmation you are coming is that uh, what we're doing together has been so good to all of us. And I really appreciate uh, the way how it started. Clifford uh, made this program earlier and he did one good thing. That is, he put some of us to work to go to library, take stuff and read and prepare. And uh, I think I, that really helped. And because uh, we know many things to, uh, take for granted, but unless you take some effort yourself and read through, uh, you will uh, uh, get more information that you need concerning this great movement in the history of the church. And uh, thank you, Cliff. And also, uh, Debbie Johnson did a good job uh, for me yesterday to get these things so uh, fine-tuned, you know, the hard copies, and she took the prints. <laughs> thank you for Debbie as well. Uh, Gmail is good, a good starting, you know, about an overview of uh, the Reformation Solas a few weeks back. And uh, after that, uh, our brother Clifford Lopez, you know, he took a very good presentation of Sola Friday, and that was so good. And then followed by, we have uh, David Slimmy and also um, Philip Boris and uh, Jacob Abraham, they followed it through, and we covered... Uh, Sola Fide, Sola Scriptura, Sola Cristo, and today we are going to, I think Sola, Sol, Soli di Gloria was by Philip Boris, and uh, Gimelisa, uh, 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 David Schlimi took a Sola Cristo, right? No, Sola Scriptura, scriptura and then Jake uh, took a Sola Cristo, and today is the last one, Sola Gratia. Sola or solo, solas is, is meaning, it's a Latin word, it's only or alone. So all those five scriptural truths which uh, reformers fought through all their life, it makes sense when you read them one at a time and come through the closing, that what great thought, you know, God planted in their hearts. Uh, and uh, before we start, uh, may I ask Rayla uh, to open with a word of prayer. Amen. Thank you. I hope you all got the copies uh, with you, the hard copies. <laughs> Sola gratia, grace alone. I would like to see the background, you know, before uh, we go on that same uh, topic. Uh, it's uh, important that, you know, we need to see the forerunners of the Reformation, just to have a browsing through those names. John Wycliffe. 1330 to 1384, he is called the morning star of the Reformation. And uh, remember that he attacked the corruptions within the church, including the sale of indulgences. He believed the Bible was the sole standard of Christian doctrine. By the way, what's the meaning of the word indulgence? Uh, anybody just uh, thought about that word indulgence? It's a very simple word, but you know, it looks, appears to be difficult. You know, the word forgiveness or pardon. So what these uh, clergy, or the representative of the Pope, running with these indulgences to different parts of Europe, what they were doing is they were selling forgiveness of their sin. It doesn't look uh, silly because the uh, Bible says, makes it very clear that God alone can forgive our sin. And uh, these people represented Pope and selling indulgences. That's uh, 
that's what John Wycliffe uh, uh, put a strong resistance on that. And then John Huss, 1369 to 1415, believed in the priesthood of the believers, Christ as the head of the church. Now, let's see the events and also the inventions uh, that uh, prepared the ground for the Reformation. Uh, a major uh, help, you know, for this movement was the invention of the printing press. It so happened that uh, God prepared this technology and this this new change, you know, in medium and also communication right at the needed time that because of that, you know, scriptures were printed in large numbers and success of this reformation quite a lot depended on this, uh, depended on uh, the publications that were circulated in large numbers. You know, along with uh, the Bible studies and also studies that uh, uh, Martin Luther was taking in those days, he also translated Bible from the Greek and Hebrew to his own native language, German. And he reached that Bible in the hands of uh, the laity, and that was the success. People made, made good use of the Bible, and they read it through, and it was easy at the time when you have the scriptures in your hand. You know, earlier Clifford Lopez reminded us that uh, Latin was the official language in the, in the church in those days. So when you make the local dialect you know, available or the Bible available in the local language, that make a big impact. Spiritual life uh, during Luther's time. Pope and the Catholic hierarchy had deeply involved in the political life of Europe. Pope wielded unlimited power over the laity. To put it in a very uh, brief way, this is the way it looked like in those days. One was baptized as an infant, confirmed as a youth, married as a mature person, received extreme unction on one's deathbed. The church brought every event under the power of the priest. Luther called it the system, the captivity. Uh, how funny it looks like, you know, that there isn't anything anybody can do. It's all done by the church. You just have to be, take it. There is no choice there. That was the way it was. I also want to touch, you know, the, the life of the clergy in those days. Uh, remember, uh, if you could recollect, you know, the way how corruptions within the church, Roman Catholic Church, uh, not only selling indulgences, but uh, um, one of the Pope, he fathered seven children, and he had two mistresses in, in his diocese. What a terrible example was that, you know, what a, what a, what a, what a corrupted life it was. And then uh, some of the priests, clergy, they were supposed to go to seminary to study theology. And some of them went to law, law, law schools and studied law, graduated in law, and they were uh, running the business as property managers uh, of the diocese. And uh, uh, on and on it went on. And it, it looks like a like a kind of a, a one thing to other, you know, there's a never-ending uh, pattern of uh, one 
uh, sin to other another. So that that's the way uh, life uh, at the time. So faith and justification in the time of Luther. Mortal sins breaks the state of grace. I borrowed this from Clifford. Mortal sins destroy the grace of God in the heart of the sinner. Grace has to be restored sacrament by sacrament of penance. Infusion of grace into the sinner's heart. So if you look at this way, infusion of grace at baptism, lost through mortal sin, regained through penance. What was Pope's claim? And uh, what was his authority? He had the authority and power to interpret the scripture, tradition, and to formulate new doctrine. That is the way he set it up. And he played it well. He claimed that God gave him special role and privilege to execute those things. And so if you look at the authority and what is the, what was the issue there, so the issue was on authority, which way the authority of scripture versus the authority of the church. And that was the big fight. And great man of God and also several other reformers took it as a great challenge. The church brought every event under the power of the priest. Now, think about the odds or the obstacles uh, these reformers had to face. Odds within, uh, by which I mean uh, when this movement progressed, there were also unfortunately, divisions within reformers. And uh, some of the stalwarts of the reformation was actually um, Alfred Swingley in Switzerland, John Calvin. These were great men who spent time to read scriptures, but they look at it the way how sometimes divisions can happen within God's people. And uh, they agreed on the centrality of the justification by faith, and the scriptures, but differed on minor principles. Like uh, one of the, I think it was the, the division between uh, Alfred Swinkley and also uh, uh, Martin Luther was the issue on the Holy Communion. You know, there were issues which they couldn't agree. And that was one obstacle uh, reformers had to handle. And that was sad. It, it happened at the middle of that big fight. They agreed on the centrality of the justification of faith, but deferred on other issues. This paved the way for various denominations within the reformers. And you know that uh, in the Protestant movement, you know, started another series of movements or uh, divisions of the church, like a Lutheran church and then different other uh, denominations. Now, what was the odds without the obstacles outside a Catholic counter-reformation? When... The reformation started, you know, that was a big wave of resistance, you know, from reformers and also people who supported the reformers. So, Roman Catholic Church, that this caused the church, Catholic Church to lose its political power and people. Now, what did they do? They responded with their own counter-reformation. And uh, Jesuits' movement is one of those, part of those uh, counter-reformation where uh, they came up with a different idea of the monastery and the way how priests and the, and the laity would uh, function. They offered better training for the priest and curtailed corruption. Uh, 
we don't know how far uh, that really helped them because uh, they, when they say they curtailed corruption, there was still corruptions going on, but they put up a picture or an image that they were going to curtail those because those things were exposed. They also uh, uh, refused to change the sale of indulgences or any church doctrine. Uh, so that's the background again, you know, the, the oaths without. What was Luther's response, you know, those resistance uh, and also the fight within and the fight without? Luther and the reformers came up with those five principles that we studied so far. You know, sola fide, our justification, we don't have any claim other than right standing before God, and that is by faith alone. That's in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. Sola scriptura. Our only infallible authority to fa for faith and practice is Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. Sola gratia, we are saved by grace alone, uh, 2 Timothy 1.9. Sola Christo, sola Christo, we are saved by the merits of Christ alone, and we come to God through Christ alone. Soli di gloria, to God alone be the glory, Romans 11.36. I am glad that... Uh, Spirit of God gave them brevity, at the same time clarity. They didn't have to make a huge sermon on anything, but uh, scriptures were put in the hands of ordinary men and women, and they also stood for these solid principles. You know, you don't have to do anything else. The Spirit of God would work, and that's what happened. Luther's view of faith and justification in light of scripture. Uh, this is also we had earlier, but I'm just going through that again. Infused to cause to be permeated with something as a principle or quality that alters usually for the better. Then comes the word imputed. So it's very interesting. There is something infused and also imputed. In the legal sense, the term imputed is used to describe an action, fact, or quality, the knowledge of which is charged to an individual based upon the actions of another for whom the individual is responsible rather than on the individual's own act or remissions. What was the justification grounds? This is again a, a review of what we studied so far. This is our ground that we stand. Romans 3, 23 to 26, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The basis of our justification is the death of Christ. And that is our basis and nothing else. Luther's unflinching stand. <clears throat> A Christian had direct access to God through his son, Jesus. I like this. And uh, this, is, uh, this is something he really used as a great weapon against Pope. He says that 
everybody has got direct access to God. We don't have to wait till a priest come and take us to that place. And uh, Luther, in his written response to the great Christian humanist Erasmus, titled The Bondage of the Will, called The Issue of the Grace, The Hinge on Which All Turns. So the secret of the whole transaction is grace, uh, which all turns. Now, different way we can look at grace, but when you when you look at uh, based on what is what we studied and also in the scripture, we have got so many many informations and also ideas on the grace. But this is very interesting. It is the saving favor of God. It is primarily a disposition in God. It is not something separate from God. It is part of God himself. Grace is not only the saving favor of God, but also the saving provision of God for <clears throat> us. Isn't it amazing? That is God himself. God's presence is there in, in grace. God not only saves, but he also gave provision for us to get it. And uh, that is, uh, but also, sa- grace is not only the saving favor of God, but also the saving provision of God for us. <clears throat> I looked at a few passages in the Bible uh, to support uh, what we studied. And uh, one of the passages in the Old Testament, I like it, uh, that's a very uh, touchy scene. And uh, <clears throat> it is in the book of Ezekiel. God demonstrated his saving grace to his servant Ezekiel in a tangible way. Uh, the background is pretty ugly there, but I will uh, see how we will uh, uh, get this passage clear for us. Uh, can I have uh, um, Jake, you know, would you read it for me, for us? Uh, Ezekiel 37, yes. Ezekiel 37, verses 4 through 10. And he said to the Lord, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you in skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattle, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and lead on these on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. Thank you, thank you. Did you have a <clears throat> grasp on that passage? You know, this is a very, uh, 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 I would say, a background where we don't want to think about a, a graveyard where uh, dry bones are lying there. And uh, what all uh, God asked uh, Ezekiel to do? Only one thing, and that is prophecy to the dry bones. That is all God's servant had to do. And what happened to the dry bones? It took a, a kind of skeleton first, and then the sinew, and then the shape came, 
and they became live human beings. And uh, who did it? God did it. But uh, God asked Ezekiel to speak to the dry bones. And uh, you understand here is that uh, can Ezekiel take any credit for that? No. He just obeyed what God asked him to do. But uh, God asked something to do and God did it. This is one way to understand uh, that God can do anything to make things work or to make things happen. And uh, <clears throat> by grace, you have been... So death defines and doom, if we put it that way, death defines and doom, summarize the context in which grace is extended to. So that's the key to understand the grace. You understand the background. Uh, you and I can be compared to the dry bones. And we have nothing to boast, nothing to claim. God take all the credit and he deserve it. So we can say today that by grace I have been saved. I don't have to worry about my past, but I have to look towards the future with a thanksgiving mind that God has given me life eternal. Now, grace closes the circle of salvation. Uh, I like this one too. The Father elects, the Son redeems, the Holy Spirit takes over. And uh, it's better to study this hard. It is so encouraging also because uh, uh, you just be a recipient of all this activity here. And the Father elects you. The Son redeems you, and the Holy Spirit takes over. Uh, when we were uh, studying grace, you know, sometimes God will give you uh, some reminders through sometimes through daily experience, you know, what is grace. Uh, that is actually pointers to what God has done in the past. Uh, have anyone had anything really experienced, you know, that I received God's grace in a special way. And we all have so many stories to share. And uh, one of the uh, assembly young believer, you know, shared his experience, how God showed him special grace that reminded him this great truth. And uh, in medical school in India, just like here, you have got four-year rigorous uh, studies, and then at the end of that, you need to pass all the theories and then the practical. But in India, there is one final step, and that is called Vaiva Vosi. You know, a, a team of professors will interview you with questions that they can ask from anywhere from the four-year course. You know, so this young man is standing before the professors. You know, one professor from his own college and also the visiting professor. So there are two professors interviewing him. So the visiting professor can ask three to five questions. Same thing, you know, the professor of your own will also ask you the same three to five questions. So the score is you need to have a passing grade, you know. Out of 100 points, you need to make at least 40. So 50-50, one professor will have 50 points to ask, and the other one, 50. So the one, the visiting professor asked 
Christians won. And this young man didn't prepare, but he didn't know how to answer that. It was tense. So he asked a second question. He, he, he just recollected everything that he studied, but he couldn't say answer that. And then the third one, same thing. So he felt so bad that uh, the professor, you know, from outside, he looked at his face and he said, you can't answer any of this. He didn't have any reply. So his time is over. So now the professor, his own professor, you know, he's looked at him. And he was looking at his face, expecting that he would ask some questions that he would answer. So he looked at this young man. He said, I don't have any question. He couldn't believe that. He again looked at his, do you have any questions? He said, no, you can go. So while going out, he thought all that hard work is gone. There is no way he's going to make it. So he went outside. Later on, when the result came, he not only passed, but he passed with high score. You know, the, what happened was the professor, his own professor, he, he knew the student earlier, and he knew how much he's able to score, and he did. He gave all the 50. He did not ask any questions, but gave all the 50. So when they, when they added it together, he got a high score. Isn't it amazing that uh, that is the way, if you put it in a very simple way, that sometimes God will take you through instances like this to show that he is in control. The person I was talking is Rekha's, Rekha's dad, and also Leela's brother, you know, he shared that story with me while he was in medical school. And he realized, you know, that God can show grace in many ways. That reminds us that uh, he is the God of the universe and he controlled things for his glory. Now, let's uh, wrap it up now. I hope that we will learn this by heart. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the person and work of Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to the scripture alone. Now, you know, usually we would have some questions, but I would have two questions to all of you. <laughs> See how we will answer this one. Question number one. We studied and we also reviewed, you know, that uh, Roman Catholic Church and the Pope put up a very stiff resistance uh, to the Reformers. And they fought in every way to resist uh, the Reformation movement. Even when the scripture was very clear and the scripture reached the hands of everyone in those days in Europe, but they put a very strong resistance. Part of it is which came through Catholic counter-reformation. And they wanted to claim that they are also reformers, and they called it Catholic counter-reformation. Now, how do you answer why they put up a very strong resistance? What was, uh, why none of these teachings, one of these solas that we studied, 
make any impact in their thinking, in their life, in their conviction. Why they resisted so much or why did they did not listen? Why did not want to consider? Yes, sir. One reason could be that this would take away the power from their hands That's and give it to the laity. That's good. people with the Bible in their hands in their own language. Uh-huh. That's one answer is. That's a very good answer, but there are a few more, actually. Anything else you can think of? Yes? Well, it would also take away all the money that they were receiving. Yes. <laughs> so that, well, that's right. The revenue will be kind of shortened, yes. The, the breath didn't breathe on dry bones. That's right. That's true. Anything else? Yes, Lynn. Um, pride. And man has so much pride. He does not want to admit that he's wrong in any way whatsoever. And they, their whole life is based upon the Catholic system, and they had to hold to it because it would be that's true. That's pride. that's very right. That's very much right. Uh, anything else? Uh, tradition. Tradition. Yes. It's not like they were the continuation of the original apostles. Right. They had gotten far away. Right, right. All those answers are correct. Uh, how about the, in the light of the scripture, why they resisted that, you know? Yes, sir. Romans 8 says that the natural man uh, is not able to submit. Yes. In the first Corinthians, it talks about uh, you know, the natural man does not perceive the wisdom of God and is not able to because it's spiritually uh, afraid. Yes. Right, right. In other words, sin and darkness always try to fight with the light, right? There is always a fight. That started, you know, even when, you know, Satan was thrown down from heaven. You know, that st fight started from there. And that fight is still going on, isn't it? Everywhere you can see that, you know, there is always fight. When you stand for truth, you can expect fight. That is true. In everywhere, in, in secular field, it is true. It is true in politics. It is true in all over the world that always evil things will try to resist God's love and God's saving grace. Uh, another, the second one, uh, you know, when you think uh, the background when Luther, although he had supporters and fellow believers or fellow uh, uh, being, you know, who could support him, to pray with him, to give him enough strength. When he was asked to stand before the council, he was alone. There was nobody with him. And uh, in that large council, he had to answer yes or no, and also he has to take a stand. And he, he, had given a, he was given a chance. You just give up, give up all your teaching and say sorry then you will be okay. Otherwise, you will be punished. And that was the turning point in his life. And uh, if you understand that well, what is the secret of the success and the courage of this man? What really made him that strong? <laughs> yes? God's Holy Spirit. 
God's Holy Spirit. Well, I've, I've heard it said God and one are majority. That's right. <laughs> Again, this one has got some more answers, and that's a very good answer, but I would like to see, based on what we studied in the last four weeks, anything else that you can come up with, you know, why he got that exceptional strength and courage in time, even in the face of threat, because he would have been, it is actually life and death for Luther. He had so much of strength. Why that strength? What's the reason again? What else uh, you think of? Yes? That's right. That's right. He had a belief system which he knew that would work. And he knew that ultimately he will win. And if you go further from there, faith and trust in God took took him to that podium to take a stand. And uh, his faith and his conviction gave him the strength. You know, in that uh, hymnally, there is a hymn which uh, Martin Luther actually composed, you know, that a bulwark against powers of darkness. I thought I would uh, just uh, all a mighty fortress. Uh, 588, a mighty fortress is our God. Line two reads like this. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he, the Lord Sabbath. His name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. He says, the man, the right man is on our side. I thought of one other thing. You know, we're, it talks in Corinthians, I believe, about that God has planned works for us to walk in. Right. That was his, what God had chosen him to do. And he was right in the middle of what God wanted him to do. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap this up now. And I think... Uh, Shall we close and pray? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Martin Luther and also several other Protestant reformers. It wasn't easy. It wasn't short. They had to put a long, stiff battle for the truth. And thank you, Father, for reminding us that uh, right man is on our side. So the battle is worth fighting. Lord, we also thank you for reminding us that uh, to receive grace, we don't have to do anything other than what you have asked us to do. That to receive that what is given freely with a thankful heart. Each of us, Father, received this grace in a measure that we can never understand. But we give you thanks and glory because Christ Jesus made it all. We thank you for the mighty, marvelous name of you, Father, and the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. What a joy, Father, it is to know that by grace we have been saved, not because of anything that we have done. Thank you, Father, for uh, the time and also the weeks that we all could uh, get together and to think and to discuss and to share the great wealth and also the uh, 
added blessing, Lord, by studying these things together. We pray, Father, that thy blessings and your presence would strength, strengthen us, Father. Give us courage when we are asked to stand, take a stand for the truth. Pray, Lord, that thy presence would watch over us. We thank you for hearing our prayer. In and through our Lord Jesus Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen.